Hey guys, Stephen Tillman here with faithandfailures.com. Today's episode is going to be diving into, as a church body, being a life-giving church. Ways we can accomplish that and the things we need to look at in ourselves and in our communities so that we can be this life-giving church. Let's get into today's episode. No, it's an honor to be here serving in the capacity of bringing the Word of God. It is an honor to just be able to serve in a church that loves people and first and foremost loves God. That's a good place to be. I am excited. I don't know. You probably don't know this, but right now, Anybody seen The Wizard of Oz? He wasn't a real wizard, so the church people can watch it. If anybody's wondering. <laughs> um, so behind the curtain, there was things going on that nobody ever knew about. Right now, behind the curtain, there's things happening at Connect Church that you have no clue what's happening, and I'm very excited about it. Uh-huh. it okay, so if you don't know, the camera moved. Right? So you can actually see with your visual, like your sight, that that moved. There's things over here that's extra. There's some other cameras you probably saw mounted and tried to duck so you didn't get on there. And by the way, while y'all are worshiping, they're zooming around and looking right at you, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> some of y'all going to worship like this now. But we have something that uh, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Phil, and myself are working on, and it is exciting. Connect Church is going to have its own Connect growth track. I don't know if you know what that is or not. I'm about to explain it to you. We're getting together right now. We're going to start Tuesday really grinding, picking this thing apart. And we want everybody who is involved in this church, whether you're online or whether you are here in person every week, we want all of us as a family to go through this thing. And so what it does is it kind of tells you what the church core beliefs are. That's important to know. Whether you've been here or you've just came for the first time today, you need to know what we believe. You need to know what we stand by. And you get to take this cool thing. And I'm saying it's cool because my wife and I actually did this. Um, if you don't know in the Church of God, we have CAMS, which is understanding your calling in ministry. And if anybody feels that they don't understand what their calling is or they would like to go through this, talk to me or Pastor Phil. It's, it's something that helps you understand who you are in ministry. And whether you realize it or not, every single person in here is in ministry. That's awesome. That's amazing. All of us get to be a part of something greater than ourselves. And when you start serving like that, and when you start getting that growth mindset and that family mindset and that God mindset about growth and love and compassion and not looking at what is on the outside of someone, but loving what is on the inside that God put there, it changes our vision. This is really weird with all this right here. I don't know what to do. I did it because it was easier for me to, to transition. But I'm excited because they also, in this growth track, have a little quiz thing that me and my wife did, and it, it, it will show you because have you ever took a test before to kind of get to know yourself a little better? I feel that a, as a person, growth happens when you start assessing who you are. This church cannot grow until we start assessing who we are. This church cannot do what, called has, what God has called this church to do in this community and I believe in the future, in this state, this country, and around the world until we understand who we are in Christ. And so today, I'm excited because very, very soon, you'll be able to take a test and see what your gifts in the Spirit are. 
I thought that was one of the coolest things. I'm like, okay. Oh, I think one of mine was faith. And my wife's always like, you know, logical and by the numbers. And I'm like, no, girl, God will take care of it. <laughs> because that's how I believe. And I, I knew that about myself, but you don't really like look at yourself until you tell someone else who you are. Does that make sense? Like you can do something stupid and then your wife corrects you and you're like, oh, that is kind of dumb. Or our children, they don't understand how big of an idiot they are and that they don't know anything at 11 years old. You've never owned anything. You've never driven. You've never voted. You've never done anything that mattered except for just be. You went to school, okay? Talk to me in 30 years. But sometimes we need someone externally to help us figure out our internal needs, issues, wants, desires, and who we are. And that's okay. We should, like I talked about, I preached about last time, we should um, not necessarily enjoy because correction can be rough, but embrace correction. Embrace godly correction. Embrace, and when we start to embrace that, it's not someone correcting us, it's God trying to form us. And that's a cool thing that God's taking time to get someone to come to you to help you grow and mature. That's pretty cool to me. Sorry, if you can't tell, I'm excited. And when I get excited, I get wound up. So thank you for being here today. Thank you if you're watching online. Sorry if I'm making the cameraman chase after me. <laughs> Should have taken your adrenaline before we started. It is an honor. It really, truly is an honor to serve in this church. Me and my wife, both, we are just blown away by the hearts of the people that go here. We're just blown away by the true, um, just raw caring for people around you in this community, in this congregation. It's amazing. Don't forget, if you ever get on YouTube, the church has a YouTube channel. Can I do a shameless plug right now? It's y'all's too. We have a YouTube channel. Type in, search, connect, church, Longview, and we will pop up. The, the picture, you know how you have a profile on YouTube or whatever? The picture is the exact same one on Facebook. We tried to make it to where when you saw it, you would recognize it if, you, if you're on Facebook. Not everyone has Facebook, and that is okay. Sometimes I wish I didn't. But everybody watches YouTube. Even if you don't have a profile for other people to watch, if you want to find something out, you'll look up something on YouTube, won't you? <laughs> So check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Whether you know it or not, if you're looking on YouTube and you can click the like button on any video, you have a profile so you can subscribe. Did you know that? Don't get freaked out. <laughs> Just letting you know what's up because you can't know until someone tells you. So make sure to check it out. Make sure as well, whether you're in here or whether you're online, text that 94,000 number new to connect because it's not only a way for us to get to know you, it's a way for you to get to know us. And so we want to connect with you. That is the vision of this church. That is the heart of this church. There's nothing hidden. It is just a way for we that we can get together and connect. And soon that whole system will be expanded and we will be able to do small groups. We'll be able to do all the things that you guys like commun community with each other. It's fun. I see y'all laughing and cutting up around each other as soon as you see each other. Hey there, what are you doing? You know, I say, it's fun. It's fine. That's a God thing. That's awesome that we're not at each other's throat every Sunday. All, you would think it would be with this many different people in the same place. But God and the Spirit of God is amazing. So I promised Brother Richard I, I would do this. I, I promised you, man. So uh, I have something, and it's a piece of wisdom that has been passed on uh, that I learned being a youth pastor. And 
once you figure this piece of wisdom out and you know how to work it and how to do it, uh, you can connect with a younger generation like never before. They'll think you're cool, and they'll look at you and be like, wow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate. All right, here you go, Brother Rich. That right there will get young people to come to Jesus. I don't know how that made me like out of wind. I didn't even move that much. I turned 35 a couple weeks ago. Apparently, I'm feeling, hold on, I gotta, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. kidding. I'll be so embarrassed if that was true. And if it was, I wouldn't tell you. So make sure you check us out on YouTube because we are there. We exist. Make sure you text. We want to get to know you, and very soon we're going to get to know each other better. We do person- we're going to do personality tests too. That means you'll get grouped to work and serve beside somebody who you won't clash with most likely. Isn't that cool? We're going to do that for you and for us. <laughs> so it's going to be uh, something we want you to get familiar with, our core beliefs, our core values, what we believe, and your spiritual gifts. Because it, it makes a lot of things more clear if you start to understand what, where you find your purpose. We want to help you find your purpose. Because you'll serve and feel fulfilled as you serve when you know who you are. That is our goal. To help you figure out who you are and know where you want to serve. That way you don't just feel like you're getting burned out at something you really didn't want to do. Anybody ever volunteer for, or been volunteer for something? My dad used to volunteer me for stuff all the time, and I didn't even raise my hand. And when I did it, I didn't have a good attitude. And guess what? When we have a bad attitude serving as this church, people see it. We have three things, three major things we want you to do as a church and as the people of God and as the body of Christ. We want you to connect to God through salvation and discipleship. We want you to connect to each other because there is strength in numbers. There's a reason it was said in the word of God to not forsake the gathering because when you have a like-minded people, it, it gives you a strength that you didn't even know you had. If you've ever, well, I'm sure most of you in here, not everyone in here can probably sing. But when you're in the church and the music is loud or maybe you by yourself in your car, when that music is up, you have a confidence you never had before. When there's something helping you along and giving you that encouragement, it gives you a freedom to then blossom into somebody you never thought possible. So we want you to connect and build relationships with each other and connect to the community, serving, finding your purpose. This is pivotal and paramount in a growth and a productive church. We have to think outside of the box. So today's message I'm going to be focusing in on being a life-giving church. We have, from the small to large churches that are great in number and maybe even in members, but no true conversions, no people who really, really want to serve, they just come and they want to sit. And I'm not trying to get you to, to, I'm I'm loud, I'm, I'm a little crazy, I jump all over the place, but I'm not trying to motivate you. I'm trying to inspire you. There's a difference. Motivation, you can sometimes feel like you're getting pushed. I'm trying to take you by the hand and pull you to where we are. Does that make sense? There's a difference. 
Now, how do we be a life-giving church? For, number one, we stop being so concerned about us. If we have individually, every single person in here, whether you step into a pastoral role one day or you're on the worship team or you're out there shaking hands while people comes in or, or you know, you, you serve back in the kids department or you work in the nursery, if you do none of these things and you just come and worship every single service, you're still a leader in this church. You still have a purpose and a place in this church because God does not call people to come to a church because the people are the church. When people say, have you ever heard somebody talk about how they left the church? When they say that, they don't understand what the church is then. Because you didn't leave a church, you carried it with you. We all, in our own separate homes, in our jobs, we are the church. We are a beacon of light of who this church is that reflects into our job places, in our families, in our relationships. So when we become a me-centered person and not a you-centered, worried about other people, we become very selfish and complacent. And this is, not a, this is not a place where all of a sudden we wake up and it's there. This can be years in the making to where we slowly go a little further and a little further, and, and all of a sudden we turn around and, well, why are they sitting there? Has anybody ever walked in and someone's in your spot? Church just got real. Excuse me, ma'am. My Bible was there, and they, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You ever get upset about trivial things that don't really matter, and then you're like, man, I might have could have showed Jesus a little better and told him that God put me in that seat. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't use that ammunition. I'm watching y'all. But we need to start looking outward. How can we help others? How can, because do you, have you ever been so me-centered I've told you before, I will never preach, teach. I will never talk about anything I've never dealt with myself. I have been such a selfish person that every relationship I had was only what I could gain out of it. And do you know that a lot of people who don't know God, that's how they see the church? They think because we go to church, when we talk to them, we have an agenda. Do you know why? Because it's come to where we kind of do. We only talk to them when we want to invite them here. When yet, being the church is not about talking about the church. Because guess if what? If you do that, you're talking about yourself. And there you are being self-centered again. So we have to be looking outward on what can we do for others. And when you start doing that and get, get the self out of the way, you begin to find that you find a level of self-awareness and fulfillment that you've never felt before when you start to serve others. There's a reason Jesus spoke in this way. There's a reason he was talking about serving others is because when you start to do that and get out of your comfort zone, you get out of your own way and you start to serve God the way Christ loves and serves the church, people start seeing that, hold on, they just had a 15-minute conversation with me and didn't bring up church at all. I know they go to church. What are they, what are they trying to do? <laughs> I've, thought that's, I've, I've thought that same thing about people that, that before I started coming to church. Not this church. I'm saying before I, after my drug addiction, I thought, because my dad, my cousin, he's my age, and he was the worship leader at a church, and they were, they were all, always, always, hey, you want to come to church? And that's not a bad thing. Don't say, I'm not trying to say that inviting people to church is a bad thing, okay? 
But just like we're not going to beg people to come to church, at this church, in this leadership, we're not going to beg for your money. Because if you're going to give it in the wrong mindset, with the wrong heart, we don't want it. We don't want your condemnation coming down on this church. We want people who love to give in time and in servitude. And yes, that, in, that includes your money. Because what you love, you will spend on. What you cherish, you'll end up spending. If you love your kids to death, chances are you probably spoiled them. I try not to spoil mine, but I love them. And then 10 seconds later, I want to punch them. But, but I do love them. I do. But all these things, hold on, I can't take a drink of water and hold the mic now at the same time. Nothing like a cold drink of water. So good or bad decisions that we have, that we make on a daily basis, whether it be with finances, family, church, they affect and they form our spirit. Did you know that your day-to-day life cannot be taken apart of or excluded from your spirit? When you walk around, your spirit is still with you. And that's why when I was a youth pastor, I told my uh, youth all the time, I said, you have two dogs fighting. You have the flesh and you have the spirit. And whichever one you feed the most will grow and devour the other. And so be careful which you're feeding. And did you know that you also, uh, you also affect other people's spirits? Let me, let me bring it home. My wife... <clears throat> Is amazing. What were y'all thinking? She's perfect. I can't believe that thought even crossed your mind. I heard all of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stupid. But I would, I would be upset about something, and my attitude and my spirit about the thing that was going on, I would cast off on her. The same thing happens in all of our relationships and people we come in contact with. Have you ever met someone? It may be at your job. And that's the person that you want to punch in the throat every day. The spirit of slap comes on you, and you're like, Lord, help me. You're grabbing your desk. You got, like, broke the half off where your fingers were. But listen to me. This right here is so valuable. When you react in a negative way, or you are not, you don't have your flesh in check to where your spirit can be... Um, seen, and led by the Spirit, whichever one you're letting control you will be rubbing off on other people. It will affect other people. And the way you respond in situations, good or bad, will affect other people's spirits. And it seems like common sense. It seems like something that you probably already know. But I feel the reason the Word of God says to repeat your first fruits is because even though we know certain things in our heads, We've got it locked back here somewhere, and we just forget all about it until we start, okay, oh, yeah, I did know that. Have you ever, you ever had a kid, and you tried to help him with math, and you're like, two plus two is four. Okay, what are these letters doing in here? That's why you guys aren't doing good at math, because you got the alphabet in there. That's a different class. And so then you're, you're trying to help him out, and you're like, Okay, and then you start doing it, and all of a sudden, it unlocked, boop, comes back. And you're like, okay, you're solving for the A. It's not just going through the alphabet. And then you start realizing that, 
okay, there's things that we lock away that are who we are or things that we lock back. And all of a sudden, you ever been mad at somebody? Or I'm not, I'm not saying you women do this. I'm not. You ever get in, an, in a heated dispute and all of a sudden, your wife gets real historical and she remembers everything you did since y'all got married that was wrong? Not hysterical. I didn't say she was crazy. I said historical. She might even have a degree. And she starts remembering everything you did wrong last week. And you're like, hold on. We were just talking about this trash that I forgot to take out. All of a sudden, you have these different people, and their spirit about things is, is controlling and pushing around the other one. The, the, your attitude, now listen. Now, some of you may be a little more than others, and that's fine. I get that. I'm not that way. I'm like, whatever. It's cool. I'll, I go along with the flow. I don't get too upset. My, really, the only time I get mad is whether I, if I get lost. Uh, I don't like, if I miss my turn last Sunday, I missed my turn because I was, I was like, hey, coffee got on the th- my truck. Wipe it up, girl. And all of a sudden, I missed, my, I missed my turn. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, it was so stupid. It took maybe 30 seconds to get up there and turn around. But I was so mad. I was like, Lord, I'm trying to go to church and worship. <laughs> Man, just the small things. Anyway, listen, this is how crazy it is. I let something that was this big on my little console by the cup holders control my attitude. This big. Didn't God say something, Jesus say something about if our faith is even that big? So imagine if we flip our flesh into our spirit mindset and we flip that around to where we let these little sparks of light kindle the fire and burn deep within us to where we start seeking out those which are lost. Not just letting them come to us, but we start seeking out. Okay, God, show them to me today. Show them to me today. And you come out of the gate like a wild star. You're like, okay. You know, you get excited about saving the lost. And guess what? When you get one saved, next week you want two or three. You're like, come on, spirit, show me where you at. You never got excited about it. If you never got excited about it, then you never witnessed anybody before. It sets a fire in you. I remember when I was in high school, there was this guy. I remember his name. I don't know if I can say his last name on camera, but I'm going to do it anyways. Bobby Montablo. And he came over, and I remember in my bedroom, he knelt down in my bed and gave his heart to Christ. I went back to school that next week, and I'm like, come on, Satan, what's up? I wanted to take on. It was like, imagine how David felt when he slew the Goliath. Imagine that. that All right. What's, not, what's up now, brothers? <laughs> you still want me to go back home to daddy? I just knocked that giant down. What were you doing? Crying. Everybody knows how brothers are. You're going to rub it in their face. There's no telling how long he kept, like, he probably, like, made a, had a mural and everything painted of, of what happened and gave it to his brothers for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so who we are and how we act and how we respond is a direct reflection of this church. Just when I, when I was like, when I was a kid, my father and my mother, my mother always told me, you are a reflection of us. I thought that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What does that mean? I'm my own person. But the way that I acted out there was who ever, they, they thought. You ever seen a kid in Walmart? Oh, if that was my kid, 
I spank him till kingdom come. <laughs> Guess what? You probably had that kid and you didn't even know. Or you did and you've been praying a lot. <laughs> I said this last time I preached. I said I'd give it to you, so I'm going to give it to you. On vacation one time, talking about representing parents. I used to have an issue, and my brother too. I don't know why, but we got on this kick where we would argue with our mother a lot. And so bad that my dad, my dad, he's not really that way now, but my dad was a very reserved and quiet man growing up. He was really humble farmer. Uh, <clears throat> he just, he, he would preach, but he wasn't like face-to-face with somebody. He wasn't too like, like I am. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going? You know, and he's more of a reserved, hey, you know, whatever. And so <clears throat> we would argue with my mother and we'd be getting out of the vehicle, and we'd be going into a store. And my dad, would, we'd be over here. He'd be walking just like this. He would be running because he was so embarrassed that we were, like, getting into it in the parking lot. Embarrass him to death. And then we would get a spanking. Well, let me tell you about a story. Remember when I told you last time about whoopings? <laughs> my dad, when he makes a promise, he keeps it. We were on vacation. We, my dad was good about making sure that we went on some sort of vacation every year. We usually had an RV. We'd hook up to the truck, and we would, we'd go. We went to, like, uh, South Carolina and, you know, Florida a lot and Galveston a few times. This is when we lived up in Missouri, so it was a pretty good trip. In that time frame of a week, there's a lot of area for two young boys to get high on the roster of lick counts. <laughs> And it got to where, and I picked the dumbest side. Maybe I thought I was more scared of my mom. But I picked the side behind my mother, and my brother would always be on this side. So who do you think my dad could reach the best? It was always me. Of course, I was a little skinny, so I was like up in the corner like, can't reach me. You know, he's trying to, I'll pull this truck over. He had one time, but that was more to scare the life out of me, and it worked. <laughs> So we're on this vacation, and we, me and my brother both, we accumulate 20, or 12 licks each by the time we got back to the house. 12. And I may have explained this last time, but my dad did not usually whoop with a belt. He had a board with a handle, and he, and he would make us do this grab your ankles. And he told, he told me now that it made him like hysterically laugh inside. He would laugh later, but he would say, grab your ankles, and we go like this. He was like, I just, all I could think about was my deformed kid. Like, why does he think his ankles are up there? <laughs> and so we literally, he would be ankles. We'd inch down, like, all of a sudden, that's, that's fine. And then we go down, down further. He'd make us have our legs straight. So I knew my father's reputation, that I was going to have to assume that position, and I was going to get lit up when we got home with 12, it's the most I've ever gotten on my ticket before. And so we're at, I think it was a Ryan's or a Golden Corral. And my brother went to the bathroom or something, or he went up to get more food. And my dad sat down with me, and he was like, hey, I got a question for you. I said, okay. He's like, what did I, I've been so good. What did I do now? And then I started thinking really positive. I'm a positive thinker. You know, my spiritual gift is faith. I'm like, I've been so good. He's going to take those off. And I'm not going to get any. My brother's going to get them all. It was the opposite. He said, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to take your brother's licks for him? 
And I stopped and I thought, I have great compassion. <laughs> You're laughing, but I really do. And I, I told him, I looked him in the face, I said, yeah, I will. He said, okay. I didn't know, but later he had the same conversation with my little brother. And right out of the gate when he, my dad asked, he was like, nope. <laughs> Jerk. I'm like, man, you got to be, all right, this is going to get worse than I thought. So at, when we were kids, there was a, a comedian, a Christian comedian called Mark Lowry. I don't know if you know who he is. <clears throat> but he talked about his, his father taking him to the old sanctuary. <laughs> and that when he would take his belt off, he could hear it coming through the loops like pop, 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 pop. It was like doomsday. And so in this, in this segment he was doing, he was talking about his father would let him, or he said, go prepare for your spanking, and he misunderstood or something, and he went up and put like 12 pairs of pants on and <laughs> socks in his, you know, and all warm-ups and stuffing them, you know, got socks and everything, shirts and whatever he can get back in there. Well, needless to say, he got it even worse because he misunderstood and my dad said this to me when we got home. He said, son, go prepare for your spanking. He looked at me again in the eyes, and he was like, go prepare for your spanking. I'm like, is this a trick? Am I going to go in there and put, these, put all those pads on, and he's going to kill me because I misunderstood him? And he did it one more time. He said, go prepare for your spanking. I'm like, okay. I'm pretty sure he's telling me what I think he's telling me. I took a big chance. Like I said, I'm a guy of faith. So I went in my room. I had warm-ups. <laughs> I put those things on. I think I put about six pairs of underwear on. I had shorts. I put all the shorts I had in my, in my drawer. I put all the shorts I could, and then I put the warm-ups over that. Oh, no, and I put jeans on, too. The jeans, you can only get one pair on because it was already too thick, and, you know. I took all my socks. And my socks, like the, you know, the ones that come up here, you know, they roll, and they're about that big. I had it all over myself. And my dad said it took everything when he walked in that room and saw me to not bust out laughing. And he said, okay. And now, this is the mind part. He took me in there in front of my brother, and he explained to him, he said, I had a conversation with both of you. Stephen, you said you would take both of his legs. Assume the position. Mm. Like, man, I'm still, I know I'm padded up. Like, I'm padded. But I'm still scared because I have to go through 24 of them. He starts going, and as he's licking away, when he got about to eight or nine, the socks started moving sideways. <laughs> and I'm, ha! You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, this ain't that bad. Okay, Dad. Well, then things started moving around, and there wasn't so much padding anymore. Long story short, kind of. It did hurt at the end, but he set us down, and he said, listen, this is what Jesus did for you. You were bad. You didn't get what you deserved. And I promise you I didn't grow my beard out because of that story. He wasn't calling me Jesus. He was trying to teach us and disciple us a little bit and say, listen, this is what Jesus did 
for you. And this is the same in the church. We have to have that kind of mindset towards the lost. We have to have that same spirit towards them that they are hurting, they don't know, or they may have been hurt in a church before. That happens. But for some reason, magically, we think it's not going to happen in a church, but it happens everywhere else. We assume, they assume, that because we're church people, that we're all perfect. I don't know about you, I'm not even close. So just like when I was a kid, I was able to lay down my life for my brother and put it all on the line for someone else. And I feel that we need to have that for those who don't come here. Those that don't know about church or they have a false idea because the church can have a, a, a bad reputation in the community. Because the church is not walls, it's people. And God longs for a relationship with them just like he did for us. He longs to love them and be with them and have them a part of our family like he made that sacrifice for us. We can build or tear down a reputation of this church and of God by our actions. As a young child, my father was disciplining me. Now, we don't, we don't like this word. Discipleship and discipline are one and the same. It, we don't like it. Does anybody like to be disciplined in here? Anybody at all? No. It puts you in a place of submission. Puts you in a place of sorrow. But sh he showed me the importance of making a sacrifice for someone else. And as disciples, we're commanded by Jesus. So are we commanded to preach the gospel with words and actions and to make disciples. Not to talk about serving and discipleship, but to display it. To display servitude and grace to others. Has there ever been a time in your life where you got grace and love when you didn't deserve it? You could be that channel to someone else. So that they can understand and really, really understand what grace and mercy is because the actions of us here. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples. And now, this ver these verses right here, if you haven't recognized, in the last few services, this verse has come up. Pastor and I did not talk about it. We didn't have a conversation about, hey, you're going to do that verse too? Yeah, man, let me have it. Because we feel that this needs to be at the core heart of the church. 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now let me ask you this. Where in this verse, in these verses, did it say, pastors, go and make disciples? It didn't. It did not say one time, if you're a preacher, man, start reaching out to people and start making disciples. It is the job and responsibility of each one of us in here to have a part. We all have a part to play. A healthy church produces and promotes leaders. Like I said earlier, every person that is in here, you are a leader in some way. 
Just because you're not at the top doesn't mean you don't have a place. Breathing life into each other and into our communities, uplifting and encouraging each other. And the church cannot be healthy with just one leader. It cannot. Each part of the body of Christ is important and it is necessary. As it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, the hand cannot be the foot, the eye cannot be the ear. Every person from the pinky to the mouth, everyone has a job. Everyone has a place. As one body of Christ, we all have something to do. God has not called Christians to be complacent and to be seat warmers. He hasn't. If the church only depends on one man or one woman, it will stay the same and eventually dwindle and die. Because a healthy church culture cannot be built or sustained with only one leader. It cannot. There are many leaders. Say, I am a leader. leader. Y'all didn't say it like a bunch of leaders. I am a leader. leader. If you have to, say that to yourself every day. I am the leader. I'm going to be the leader God's called me to be. I'm going to be the man and the woman of God that God has called me to be. I'm going to be the righteous. I am not forsaken. I am the head and not the tail. God has not forgotten about me no matter what circumstance I'm in now. I am the leader God has called me to be. Jesus himself picked 12 people to surround himself with to raise up his disciples. And he picked three of those to be his closest confidants. So how much more should we be raising leaders out of this church here? If you do the math, think about it. One man, 12 guys. There's more than one here. Each one of us should do our own pyramid scheme. (laughs) That's what, it's, that's what it sounds like. That's where they probably got the idea from. But how much more should we be discipline, disciplining, discipling with intention? Intention changes everything. If we start being a you-centered leadership instead of a me-centered leadership in your own lives, that will bleed into the church as one body. We will be a body of Christ who is all about reaching the lost. And all about serving the lost. Do you know you cannot go in someone's face and preach the word of God and they understand you if they don't know God? You know what reaches the lost? Servitude. Not selfishness. We have to serve them. We have to show that there's a reason that Jesus did the foot washing. He wanted to show the very people he had closest to him, the very people he was discipling and bringing up in himself, that he submitted himself to them and that they themselves had to then submit to others. That was the blueprint that Christ laid down for us, that we have to be willing to submit. You cannot have salvation without submission. You can't have leadership without submission. You can't have a marriage. You can't have a job. You can't have a business without submission. There has to be submission. Discipling with intention. Talking to people with intention. So it raises questions. Question one to the verse that we just read. What does this tell us? What does this example display? That God is not a God of small vision. He's not. 
I heard, uh, I listened to a podcast. It's a guy, uh, is a pastor, Craig Rochelle. And he said, he shows appreciation to his staff. He has about 700 staff. And he says, I show them appreciation to where I feel like I have done my part and then I double it. You mean the people that are supposed to be underneath him? He's submitting that to them? Now, have you ever done something before and you never were acknowledged and you felt like you were looked over? Maybe it was a job. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in this church. And you felt like that just what you do is just, it's expected and no one really cares. That's a dangerous place to be in. You know how to get out of it? You cannot change anybody else. You start serving and showing gratitude to others. That sounds contradictory to what, what you're wanting to happen. But that is the, the blueprint that Christ laid out for us. That when we start displaying that to others, God makes sure that it's poured back out on us. God is not a God of small vision, a growth mindset. Growth. Man, that sounds good. Growth. Hmm. So you're talking about the accidental kid you had. <laughs> Whoops. Or you start gaining a little weight. Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming. Growth can be bad. But we're talking about spiritual growth and church growth. But we don't like growth because it means change. Change is tough. I told you all last time I preached about some the little key thing. It was a very simple little key thing. Again, something small. Again, I let get in my crawl. And she puts her keys over top of the dog thing. And I'm like, there's four of the hooks. Pick another one. I want things where I want things. But we fight growth. Why? Because growth is change. Growth is painful. Growth usually means that things get more complicated. But we like easy. We like to sit back, do what feels good, and never have to really push. Because growth means you have to go forward. Resistance training. He doesn't want us, meaning God, he does not want us to be content where we are. If we are content, we are complacent. I'll say it again. If we are content, we are complacent. And growth does not happen in complacency. Death does. God will not force us to move. He won't. He will not force us to do it. It is our responsibility. He will not force us to love our neighbor. But yet it's still our responsibility. It has to be cultivated and nurtured. Question two, what do we need to make this happen? We need God's wisdom and guidance through the Holy Spirit. There is no room for error here. The Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit has to be at the top of the equation. It has to. Because like I talked about earlier, if you do not have the Spirit on the forefront of your mind, you will let the flesh control the conversation. And that will destroy the reputation of God and destroy the reputation of this church. But to do that, you have to have spiritual growth. Spiritual pains. Birthing pains. If you've ever been pregnant before, I can't even imagine... But you probably, at least 80, 75, 50% of you can say that that birth was worth it. 
that that pain brought something beautiful into your life. And I feel that God gives us things all the time that display his, his, his mercy and his grace and his glory. And I think birth is one of those. That something that can be so painful that he tells us, your rod and your staff will comfort me. That even though it will be painful, it will be beautiful. It will be worth it. Now, how do we get to where the Spirit is in the forefront of our minds? It's on the tip of our tongues. Prayer, fasting, and studying the Word of God. This is what is necessary to not only start changing yourself, but to change this world. Committed bodies, it cannot be done without you. You cannot just have one leader. It has to be all of us. A servant's heart and mindset. This is one of the hardest things because we are selfish creatures. We are selfish. We don't even have to earn. We don't have to try to figure this out. Like, how do I be selfish? There's not a class at college that says, be selfish, 101. It is something that just happens. You find it out all the time when you get married. You don't realize how selfish you are until you have someone else in the equations helping you make the decisions and you want to make them all. And you're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I'm the man. Here's my foot going down. And she's like, I'll cut your feet off. Growth hurts. And when you grow together, it can cause friction. It can cause being uncomfortable. But it is necessary for your personal spiritual growth, for the growth of the family of God here in this church, and for the growing out of the roots of this church to reach into the community. It has to happen. A servant's heart and mindset is difficult to obtain. But it is paramount and it is necessary to reach people who don't know God. You know what I found? And I'm speaking about myself too. You know what I found? That I become so focused on church that I forget about those that don't come here. Especially if you work in the church. If you do things for the church, you get so busy doing things for God. You forget how to be the church. And instead, we just are at the church. God has not called us to be on the sidelines. This is a petition, participation sport. We all need to get involved. We have to be willing to do the work that is needed to reach those far from God by keeping a servant mindset. That is the third time I've said it now for a reason. Servant mindset. Question three, what is our guarantee? We are guaranteed that they will not look like us. They won't sound like us. Their mouth will not be the same as our righteous mouths. They won't act like us. That's okay. At one point in time, every single person in here, I'm assuming, at one point in time, you didn't act like you do now. Some of you may have went backwards. That's fine. God's still working on you. <laughs> but at some point in time, God got a hold of us in a real way and changed who we were to the core. Yeah. And 99.99999, that small percentage is my wife. Everyone else, God's still working on us. <laughs> yeah. 
know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right, amen. That's in the word. <laughs> they will not be like us. They're not supposed to be like us. If they were, they wouldn't be lost and far from God. Which is difficult to go towards people who's not like you. We want to naturally, just like we naturally do wrong, we naturally are selfish. We naturally want to gravitate towards people who are exactly like us. That's the wrong mindset. Did, in the word of God, is there, is there one, one mention of the, the 12 disciples being a carpenter? No. He didn't go after the people who were just like him. They had different jobs. They definitely had different personalities. The twins, the God, or the sons of thunder, what did they have to do to get that name? I mean, were they a wrestling team or what? I'm not sure, but that's pretty cool. I'm like, sons of thunder, okay. Put that on a hat. But they will not look like us. They will not act like us. They will not sound like us, and that is okay. That's what discipleship is about. That's what the growth track that we're putting together right now, that is what it's about. To getting us in one mind in the course so we can reach the lost together and understand who we are so that we don't get confused if someone's smarter than us out there. Atheists are smart, y'all. They are. The sad thing is they could probably run over us in a heartbeat. But I'm talking about me myself. They are smart. They know, oh, what about this? What about that? Oh, well, this says this and that says that. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, it does. Because we, we don't take the time to personally and together discipleship. That's what it takes. Because it is not against the law of the Bible to defend the word of God. But it's also not advantageous to seek out arguments. You will push somebody away. What do we learn? Servitude will save them. Every time. Because they can see something in a servant that they can't see in somebody pushing them around. When you start pushing them around and saying, oh, yeah, well, this says this, all of a sudden those walls start building up. Servitude breaks down that wall. Wait a minute. I'm Muslim. They don't, they don't believe like me, but they're, they're giving me things? They're, they're being kind to me? Why? What are they up to? But the church has been known for having an agenda when they reach out to other people. I'm going to skip along. Don't want to step on your toes. One thing we are also guaranteed is God is faithful. But sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is be there and love them for who they are. I'll say it again. The most spiritual thing you can do to win someone over to Christ is to be there and love them for who they are. Religion will last only for a season, but relationship will last a lifetime. Yes. I'll say it again. Religion will only last for a season. If you're coming here because it's your religion, you're in the wrong spot. Come on, man. Relationship will change the world, penetrate those hard, thick-skinned, thick-headed people, like we all can be, and show them love and compassion. Be that shoulder, be that ear without agenda. True, raw, caring for someone. The biggest downfall of the church today is not that we don't love them. It's that we love them with agenda. Say it again. The biggest downfall of the church today is not loving the lost. 
but it's loving them with agenda. We have to be a church without agenda. Our only, our only tactic should be to love. Our only, only tactic should be to love. True, raw, caring for someone. Most followers of Jesus, whether pastors, staff, volunteers, don't recognize the impact of their faith on someone else's. We can become a narrow-minded and only worried about what's right in front of us easily. Don't have to work for it. But we are called to manage our influence on others in light of what Jesus said is the most important priority. Love one another. Being a life-giving church. Matthew 22, 36-39, a religious leader asked this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And look how Jesus replied, love your neighbor, or love your God, sorry, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Those three things are what you have to get in check so that you can love God with all those. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Do not just love yourself, but love others as much as you love yourself. We have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. Get ourselves in check, ourselves in order. Know who we are so that we can then love ourselves. Because for the longest time, I think I may have already told you all this, for the longest time, my biggest hurdle in my life and in my spirit, my mind was loving myself because I had knew what no one else knew about me and I knew what I had done. It is so hard for me to look someone else in the eyes and say, man, Jesus loves you so much when I couldn't face that Jesus loved me. I could not get over my past to help someone else come out of theirs. But it's a part of the commandments. And Jesus was telling them, listen, get your junk figured out before you try to help somebody else. Hey, splinter and plank. Do I need to go through that verse too? Got a plank in yours and you're trying to get a splinter out of somebody else's? It's okay to help people. But don't try to compare of who's going through what to try to help them out. Be people of compassion. We have been given a divine directive to lead and to love well. It is not an option. Everyone in here is a leader. You have to lead well in your homes, in your marriage, for your kids, for your church, for your schools. Lead and love well. God calls us to change the world by his power and his truth, not your own. You ever use a, a verse of scripture to argue your side of a story? No one's ever done that, right? It's easy to do that. But it's his truth, not yours. And the gospel that is lived out through our leadership, not to be influenced by the world, but to influence them through love and compassion. The church that understands this begins to bring life to the community it serves. Think of your family your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your coworkers, the volunteers in this organization. Think about it. You represent God to every one of those people. And for that reason, I want you to be aware of a life-giving mindset. I want this church to be a life-giving church to where when we talk to other people, we have life in our voice. We have life about us. You ever seen somebody and they're just all bubbly and like, hey, what are you doing today? It's usually a woman. That guy's usually like, hey. 
But, the, but, you know, it's always like, hey, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? And they just, they walk into the room and they're like, hey, this, this person's kind of a little crazy, but I like it. It's fun. You know, it's okay to be a little nuts. They already think we are anyways. Especially after they watch this. But in short, how you lead and love affects people's faith. You are a direct line or block to how people see God. How you react, how you respond, how you carry yourself, the things you say, the conversations you have are in direct relation to how people see God. I know that's a heavy burden, but there's nothing you can do to make it go away. That's facts. I'm sorry if that... If that scares you, don't be scared. We're putting this growth track together so that we don't have to be scared and we can do this thing together. And we can learn who we are so that we can understand more who they are. Because if you've ever witnessed to somebody before, you talk to somebody and you're like, or, or you make a friend, like a new friend, and you end up liking them for some reason, it's usually because you see a little bit of yourself. And it's okay to like people. It's encouraged have compassion and a life-giving mindset to be a life-giving church. What if the most spiritual thing you can do this coming week is lead and love the people around you well? Not to preach to them. Not to, well, uh, pretty sure you're serving Satan, sir. You don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about who they're serving. Just be, be mindful of who you're serving. To do that, you first need to embrace your calling and lead and love. It is your calling. It is our calling to lead and love those who don't know God. It is a direct mandate from Jesus Christ himself. God has not called us to come fill a seat, but to reach, lead, and love people as he first loved us. We are called to be a life-giving church. I want you to make a point this week, I'm giving you homework, to find somebody that you do not like. Some of y'all just create, nope. Find somebody that you don't get along with. Find someone that you don't like. Other, it, has, it can't be your spouse, it has to be someone else. <clears throat> Marriage counseling. All right. And, and find them and do something nice for them with no agenda, but just to be nice and to show compassion and love for them. Do you know how much restraint and mind power it takes to do that without having a backhanded something with it? Because you don't like them. You've already established a connection and relationship. It is not a good thing to be around them. It brings out the worst in you. You want to drop kick them, punch them in the throat, and then dump them out the side of the road and tell God they died. We can be that way towards people sometimes, and we're supposed to be Christians. Love and compassion this week to the person you don't like them. I almost said hate. Don't hate nobody. The person you don't like the most. And watch God start to not change them but you. Because it's not our responsibility to change other people. God has given us a responsibility to change ourselves. He's given us the tools that we need He's obviously given you the church that you need. 
We are supposed to change us and then reach out to them because we cannot reach out to people who will not change if we won't do it first. We can't say, oh, no, you can't say that or you can't do that if we're doing the same. We can't. We have to be a light full of compassion and love and being a life-giving church. That's the vision of this church, to connect with God, connect with one another with discipleship, and then connect to the community. That builds strength, it builds community. And you do not have to do this by yourself. Maybe you need to get a friend and go two by two <laughs> so you can do that good thing so you can have some encouragement when you want to slap them. It's okay to be upset about somebody's attitude. Just treat them in love. Your love will beat their attitude every time. And chances are it'll probably make them mad. And then you can find some solace in that. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't find joy in their suffering. <clears throat> but it's okay because this is something that you need to work on, that we need to work on. It's okay. We can work on stuff together. Can we agree? Let's stand and we'll pray and we'll dismiss. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, without you, we are nothing. I ask you, Lord, that you help us to show your compassion and your love and help us to lead and love well in our families, in our jobs, in our schools, in our communities. And in this church, Lord, I ask God that you encourage those who are feeling down to lift up those who have fallen, to give peace to those who are anxious, to give courage to those who feel weak. Lord, to help us rise up on the wings of eagles. Father, you've made so many promises in your word. You've given us the blueprints for it, and you are not a liar. Your word does not return back void. You will stay true to your word. Help us, God, to stay true to ours. Bless these people today as they go along their way. Help them, God, to reach out to the people that are not the most attractive people to reach out to. But, God, you, you came down to us in our lowest of lows and in our time of sorrow and much need. And, God, let us be that, those hands and feet to those that are feeling the same way now. I ask God for a, a specific and intentional blessing on these people here today as they leave. God, anoint their households, anoint the leaders of their home, anoint them together, God, anoint their children, anoint their brothers and sisters, their families and their jobs, God. Without you, we are nothing, and Lord, we are clinging to your promise, and we know that your word is true. And we ask this in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the thumbs up and subscribe button and the bell notification you can see when we put out a new video every month. Also, whatever platform you listen to this podcast, make sure you hit that download. If you don't know, down below, you can hit that support button to give a one-time offering or you can give monthly. Also, go check us out on Facebook. Look up Faith and Failures. We have a group of over 500 people that are joined together, uh, searching for truth and just asking the hard and honest questions. Once again, thank you and we'll see you next time.